So I have a practice of getting together with some colleagues and doing planning for the next entire church year in the fall. So way back in 2020, yes, I know that's a year that we would all like to forget, um, I had all my ducks in a row and lined up for 2021. Of course, God had, had other plans, and by Thanksgiving, we had left our call at All Saints and were looking for temporary ways to serve as we transitioned, so I didn't get to use all of that work for, for thematic planning until this Sunday. Now, I'd had it in my heart to open this sermon by sharing about the generosity of God that has been reflected in this congregation. So I dusted off the, well, it was on the computer, metaphorically, I dusted off the planning for this church year and I looked at the theme and it was the second of two Sundays where we are to speak about, you guessed it, the generosity of God. Way back in a different life, a year ago before I had even met you, God had planned for us to experience and hear about his generosity today. And let me tell you, it has been tremendous. Since we've been here, folks have made meal after meal after meal so that as we're learning how to, how, how to make all of this work and get kids to three different, four different locations for school and as my wife for at least three or four months still goes back to Dallas-Fort Worth area for work, um, we're still standing thanks to your generosity. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, gift cards, a few cash gifts, um, meat from someone's ranch. Um, countless wonderful folks coming up and saying, how are you guys doing? How's Catherine's job? Has she been able to find a job here? How are your kids doing in school? We have never felt so loved and so blessed and so warmly received into a family. And that ought to be a huge compliment to you because it reflects the generosity of God. It reflects the character of God in this forever family. Today in our text, we have two stories. Both of them reflect God's generosity to people who we least expect to even encounter God, not to mention receive from him. And Jesus does some sort of interesting, almost weird things in order to reach them. We, we see that Jesus is more interested in reaching people with his love and his salvation than he is in, you know, following social norms and making sure that he doesn't do anything unusual or embarrassing. So, three things I want us to reflect on from these two stories today. The first is that neither of these characters have a voice. Neither of them have a voice. Now, the man who is deaf and cannot speak properly, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's pretty easy to see how he does not have a voice. And, and 
we've probably all encountered someone who is deaf from birth and never had the advantage of hearing how language sounds as they develop and form their linguistic skills. So we can just imagine the predicament that this man is, is in. He doesn't have a voice. But with the Syrophoenician woman, it takes a little bit more imagination. We have to realize that both of these characters are Gentiles. And of course, for Israelites, for Jews, who have received God's promise and been identified as God's chosen people, the command has been pretty consistent that Gentiles are outside the line, right? Gentiles were considered outside of God's grace and interaction with them made you unclean, ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. And we see Jesus leave Israelite territory and intentionally, strategically, go where the Gentiles are. He lives, leaves Israel and goes up into what's modern-day um, Beirut area, uh, Lebanon, Phoenicia. And after that, he goes down to a region around the Sea of Galilee that is primarily Gentile. Jesus strategically goes where people have not heard the good news. And this woman is not only unqualified because it says literally she's a pagan and it's not trying to be mean to her, it's just that's the truth. She's a pagan of Greek origin and she is Syrophoenician and a good Israelite would have heard that word and go, oh, I know about those people. Those are the people that gave us Jezebel. Anybody remember Jezebel? She wasn't a very good character, was she? This was an evil queen during Elijah's time that, that brought them into the most disgusting forms of idolatry and, and, and sacrifice and worship of false gods. It was a terrible time in Israel's history. So when they hear Syrophoenician, they hear descendant of Jezebel. And of course, she's a woman. And in that culture, in that day, a woman didn't have a voice in the public square. Jesus had no obligation whatsoever to even engage with her. And yet he does. And when Jesus engages with her, I love this because he finds a unique way to give her a voice. Jesus, in this story, is not the one who delivers the good news, is it? Is he? Jesus instead, in this little dialogue, takes the, the role of the foil, the devil's advocate. And as she comes to him, I like to imagine this. Some people say that Jesus was just being a jerk and that we need to understand the cultural differences. That's the way it was back then. I think that we ought to imagine Jesus with a smirk on his face and sort of a loving smile as he challenges her and teases her with this question. He knows exactly what he's doing as he's trying to bring out the truth from her and test her faith. And in doing so, by playing devil's advocate and being the foil, Jesus said something that is truly abhorrent. It might be the cultural norm. It might be what most of Israel would have said, yeah, Jesus, you tell him. But he knew and she knew that that was wrong. It's not right to give the dogs the children's food. And it gives this woman who has no voice 
an opportunity to speak the gospel. So, for generations and generations, when we read this text, it is the woman who has no voice who tells us the good news of Jesus Christ, who responds to Jesus' test, Jesus' little tease of a, of a devil's advocate statement, and says, yes, but even those little dogs enjoy the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And in his generosity, he will go beyond that. Yes, we all humbly understand that we are like little dogs and we don't deserve anything more than the crumbs, but Jesus gives us everything, doesn't he? He gives us all of the same blessings as Israel. He gives us himself. So in this moment, he allows the woman who has no voice to be the voice of the gospel the good news for us today. So, secondly, uh, well, I want us to reflect a little bit more on this idea of having no voice, because apart from Christ, apart from the kingdom of God, isn't that exactly where we find ourselves? The farther we are from the kingdom of God, the more our voice is distorted. The, the um, the man who is deaf and has difficulty speaking, um, it is not that he can't make noise. And, you know, if you watch the news, there's a lot of noise out there, isn't there? But it's noise that so often is disconnected from the truth. When we're outside the kingdom of God, we can talk about precepts that we believe to be true, ideas that we believe to be true, but we can't talk about truth because we don't know the truth with a capital T. We can, we can profess our love for something or someone, and we can try to learn what love might mean, but ultimately, because we don't know God who is love, we have difficulty speaking. Our speech is confused. And when we're graciously brought into the kingdom of God, then we can hold on to God's promise that, you know, even when you're brought before the rulers and the principalities and the leaders, you don't have to worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give you words to say in Christ Jesus and in his kingdom, we have a voice. Now, let's turn to point number two. Jesus hears that. Have you ever felt not heard, completely ignored? I know in a social setting, I'm not usually the one who lights up a room, who walks in the room and everybody stops to hear what I have to say. And that's totally okay. Some of you will understand. But every once in a while, I find myself with something really important to say and I begin my story and I'm so confident about my story and I realize nobody's listening to me. And I trail off, and I'm like, nice talk. I'll just retreat back and listen. We've just talked about how Jesus has heard the Syrophoenician woman. I want us to also reflect upon how Jesus hears and communicates with the man who is deaf and has difficulty speaking. He does some things that are weird. Who spits in the middle of a religious ceremony? No, I don't. Do you? 
In the middle of a religious ceremony, he spits. Now, some commentators say, well, you know, he did that because, because um, spit, spittle was often used for healing rites. And, you know, spittle has some acid in it and can actually help, you know, clean a wound or whatever. And that is very possible. But remember, this guy can't hear. Jesus can't just explain to him what's going to happen. So he has to use a physical action and a gesture in order to explain what's going on. Jesus makes sure that this man can hear, if you will, and understand what's happening. Lest the man think that this is some sort of magic trick or magic ritual, he lifts his hands up to heaven, giving witness to the healing of God. And finally, he sighs. And this little sigh is a big deal because it connects us with Isaiah 35. Now, when we read stories like this, we should be encouraged by Jesus' compassion on particular individuals. It's enough to read this and go, wow, Jesus healed that woman. Jesus healed that man. But in Jesus' actions and the way St. Mark brings this to us, he makes sure that when we read this, we hear the Old Testament lesson for today. So remember the Old Testament lesson we just heard. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. <coughs> Excuse me. the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy we're supposed to make this connection if we were to go a little bit farther we'd learn verses 8 through 10 this is your water thank you for your generosity They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And get this, sorrow and sighing will flee away. Jesus is connecting these miracles with the promise in Isaiah 35 of a new creation. When God hears them, he is not just hearing them for this circumstance. God has heard the cries of all creation, all creation that is groaning, Scripture says, groaning as if in labor pains. All of creation that is coming unglued, coming uncreated, returning from God's or order to chaos. This is the world that he comes into and begins to recreate, begins to demonstrate his kingdom. So today, when we, when we read of these miracles, we connect it with Isaiah 35 and recognize the good news for us that God hears us, God restores our voice, and he is bringing us into and including us in his new creation. Your generosity toward the Schusner family is but one example of how you are participating in God's new creation. So, what does this mean for us? Why does this matter? First of all, where is your voice? 
There might be a few of you, I think most of you are baptized and have been around for a while, there might be a few of you who have never been a part of God's kingdom. You've never found your voice as a child of God. And today God says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He invites you in and he wants you to hear his voice so that you might be given a voice for the kingdom. For a lot of us, our Christian walk kind of goes like this, doesn't it? We have good days and bad days, ups and downs. And when we have dry spells where we are far from God's word, we find that it's harder to have a voice. I have four little kids. So when we go on vacation, that is the worst time for me to remain consistent in reading scripture and in prayer. I come back from vacation maybe physically refreshed, although like I said, we have four kids. But spiritually, I've got to crawl back to a place where I'm immersed in God's word. And God is gracious and merciful, but this happens to all of us. The, the more we're removed from God's word, the more our voice is difficult and confused. So this is a call back to God's word where we graciously have a voice. Secondly, how has God made you a part of his new creation? How are you seeing his new creation playing out in your lives this week, today? Perhaps you've been struggling with an illness or a diagnosis and you've seen God faithful in the midst of that. Perhaps, perhaps you've been working and working at relationships within your family and you see the kingdom of God slowly but surely beginning to break through. How is God at work in your life bringing his new creation into a world that's going the other direction? We should never be surprised that our world is devolving into chaos. We are, it, because of the curse of sin, that is the natural order of things, that our, our perfectly created world is going to do everything it can to uncreate itself. And that's where the people of God get to come into that broken world and demonstrate and bring new creation and new life and hope. Amen? Finally, it's the Greg Finke question. If, in fact, we've been given a voice, if, in fact, we are a part of his new creation, how is, how is Jesus at work in our community, and how can we join him? One example, and then we'll pray. The other day I went to lunch with our disaster relief folks, and they're doing some amazing stuff and you know they answer that question in the work that they do in a very powerful way but at lunch one of the um, gentlemen at this table said to our server you know we're about to pray and as long as we're going to pray how can we pray for you and the server opened up a little bit and was able to just share some things that are going on in her life and she had to go, she had other tables, so it's not like we had a big revival prayer meeting right there. But we promised that we would pray for her, and we did. And in this small way, 
we got to answer the question, what is Jesus doing and how can we join him? Jesus has come to bring new life and new creation to a fallen and broken and chaotic and disordered world. He comes to hear our cry, to save us and to give us a voice so that we can be a part of his creation and join him in what he's doing. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks. We are so grateful for your salvation, for your work in us and through us, that in the midst of this world, with all of the scary things that are going on, we know the end of the story, and we know what you have done to redeem and save your people, and to send us forth with a voice that proclaims the goodness of God and the salvation of God. Send each and every one of us forth with that good news and that joy and that hope today. Thank you for giving us a voice. It's in your name we pray. Amen.